Hello and welcome to episode 126 of Chell Squared. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney, and a great conversation heading your way today. At Chell Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter, at Chell Squared on Facebook. Give the show that shiny five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews, the more likely the show is to get recommended by the algorithm. We're back to being a weekly show, so subscribe now for the best hockey podcast podcast in town new episode every single tuesday show squared is a part of the hockey podcast network and though i am a full-time associate producer at sirius xmba radio this podcast is not affiliated with the company in any way the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may or may not reflect the views of sirius xm joining show squared today is a legend if i do say so myself a friend of the show been way way too long since he's been on over 14 months since his last appearance just ridiculous but he breaks that streak now you see him on oilers and sportsnet broadcast it is the legendary gene principe gene what's up welcome back hey andrew wow has it been that long it has been i can't believe I, yeah, well, I won't take it personally. It must be just a scheduling conflict. <laughs> I checked. I, I went through and I'm like, wait, it's it's been it's been that long, but it has been. And I apologize for not reaching out sooner. But but I, I have you now and, and we're going to start with the micro here and then we'll move. Uh, we'll branch out into the macro. So the Edmonton Perfect. Oilers have have dropped their last three games. Right, they're four, five and one yep. in their last 10. New head coach Jay Woodcroft is doing his best as the new boss of the bench, but the Oilers are currently still sitting on the outside looking in. Gene, what have you seen from this Oilers group recently, and what do you think has been their latest struggle? Well, if you really want to go to the latest struggle, probably last night against Calgary uh, in a 3-1 loss, um, you know, just their power play was was not quite, quite there, and it hasn't been, you know, they shot out of the gates, uh, not only power play wise, but but goal scoring wise, it seemed like every game or two, Leon was was setting or tying or doing something that hadn't been done since 1995. Or Connor was doing the exact same thing, and their power play was over 50 percent. Uh, you know, I, I I would suggest that no one, including probably those on the power play, thought it could stay at 50%, but, you know, they, they probably felt, because they've had a really good power play, that it could still be around 30, but uh, it was challenging. Uh, you know, teams in this league, uh, all, all they have to do is watch the highlights on Sportsnet, but they probably do more than that, and also pre-scout, and you see what uh, they're able to accomplish and how they do it, and so teams start to uh, snuff you out. And I, I think just like players and teams, certain aspects of a squad go into slumps, right? Where it just, it's just not going your way, bad bounce, bad break, uh, bad finish. Um, so I think they're kind of at that now, but I, I, I know today uh, on Tuesday, they spent lots of time working on their power play uh, with the compacted schedule. There's, there's less time to practice, uh, but they, they did video and then the practical work on it. So I expect it to be bouncing back right away, especially when you got uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle leading the charge. 
You and you mentioned Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl here, and they're tied with seventy nine points. They're way beyond the rest of their team, right? They're uh, just wild numbers for two players with less than sixty games played. The next higher scorers on the Oilers are Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins with thirty seven. We know how dynamic those two can be in uh, in McDavid and Drysaddle, but does that large gap between them and everybody else tell a lot of the story? of the 2021-22 Edmonton Oilers so far? Well, Andrew, uh, the thing is with, you know, I look at Nugent Hopkins' numbers and I'd have to double check, but Ryan has missed and he's injured right now. And that was going to be part uh, B uh, of my answer when you asked about what what's kind of ailing the Oilers right now. And I would say uh, injuries, you know, uh, Nugent Hopkins uh, was injured on a recent road trip. So he's been out, Oh, I want to say t- 10, 10 days. I think this weekend will be two weeks. Um, uh, yes, Apuya Yarby's been out longer than that. Uh, Tyson Berry recently injured. Uh, so I think injuries, and that circles back to our power play. All those three guys are on the power play. So I don't think it's a, a coincidence that the man advantage results haven't been what the orders are accustomed to. Um, I, I think fans, and I, and I get it, I might be the same way. They see Leon on it, they see Connor on it, and that's that's kind of all they need to see. But there are other parts uh, to the power play puzzle. So I, I think, you know, those guys getting back will help. Um, you know, the points, I, you know, if Nugent Hopkins had been uh, healthy, I believe Ryan would be, oh, he would be high 40s, if not 50. Um, you know, still... I don't think he'd be a point per game player, but but not too far below that. I'd say maybe 0.9 points per game type thing. Um, so, yeah, it's always a discrepancy. You know, you, you go back. It, it's not. And, and pardon me for turning back the clock to the 80s, where sure Wayne Gretzky might have 215, but then they're you know they they still have a guy who might have been 60 points behind him or 70, right? So. But then you you run into like some 120s and 130s or 140s. Um, I, I don't think that's a concern because that's what they should be doing and what they expect of themselves. Uh, it'd be nice to have two more guys who had 55 or 60, but uh, that's not the reason I don't think, Andrew. It, you know, it leads itself, right? If you look at the numbers, I think, well, there's two guys scoring. And if they don't score, they don't win, right? And that's been the adage around here from not necessarily the, the, the players, of course, but just in general. Well, they don't score, they don't win. Uh, but I, I think there's more to Edmonton than that. Um, so the, the answer lies somewhere in between, but I don't think they're as two-headed a monster as they have been in the past. So let me follow up with you on that, Gene. So let's say... If somebody came up to you and somebody said that the Edmonton Oilers are essentially just Connor McDavid and just Leon Draisaitl, how would you respond to that? Uh, I would walk. No, I would. would I would respond. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you're always. You're always. It, it, it's always going to be that way. I. I think to some extent, you know, Pittsburgh. It was Crosby and Malkin. Um, for a few years, uh, it was Zetterberg and Datsuk. It was Mario and Yarmer. It was Gretzky and Curry or Gretzky and Messier. 
that was as stacked a team as, as you'll get. You know, in Pittsburgh, when they had Mario and, and Yarmour, they also had Ron Francis. Um, so it, it wasn't like they didn't have someone else. But yeah, I, I think that that's always the, the, the handle the Oilers get when they're not in the playoffs and they're, they're you know, like you mentioned, below the cut line. People just look at those two and correlate their numbers to the Oilers' numbers. So those guys score, odds are really good they win, makes sense. Those guys don't score, odds are they're not going to win. But I, I think the Oilers have really worked hard at, at building a team around those two. You mentioned Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Zach Hyman has had uh, a, a really nice nice year, uh, fit in quite well with them. Uh, yes, Apuli Arvey was, was having a decent season. Kyler Yamamoto is doing okay. Uh, so there are other pieces, but everyone's going to always go to the, you know, the, the crown jewels and the diamond and, and I, I, who can blame them? I, I would do the same. Talking to the phenomenal Gene Principe, who does an excellent job, if I if I must say, uh, covering the Oilers and the NHL for Sportsnet. Now, Gene, I put out a poll on Twitter at Chell Squared. Uh, the question that I posed was this: Are the uh, Oilers legitimate Stanley Cup champions? Why or why not? And the four options that I put out there was yes, no, but they're close, multiple pieces away, or not even close. And the two answers that really ran away with it uh, were multiple pieces away and not even close, with multiple pieces away getting over 50% of, of wow. the vote. So my question to you is the Oilers right now are two points out of the final wildcard spot. The Stars and the Preds occupy those two slots right now, but they have two games in hand on the Oilers. As they stand right now, are the Edmonton Oilers a playoff team? Uh, I think they are. Because of those two guys, I think I've rambled on about for the last 10 or 12 minutes. Um, <laughs> I have I have lots of uh, I have lots of faith in those two and uh, don't ever doubt uh, and when I say don't ever I, I'm not pinpointing you Andrew but in general those that are listening to your podcast that that those two guys aren't aren't motivated aren't focused aren't determined uh, to be winners as a group with the Edmonton Oilers so um, what little money I have I would I would put on them and I really do feel like the Oilers will be a playoff team. Um, they've got a nice, not uh, unchallenging homestand. They, they start a homestand here with Washington on Wednesday and then uh, the Cup Champs, two-time Cup Champs, Tampa on Saturday. But I do feel they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, then it's a lot of the other factors will come into play. How How is the defense playing? What is the goaltending like? But uh, in my mind, I don't have any doubt that they're a postseason team. Even if they find themselves just a little bit on the outside looking in, uh, after an initial bump with the head coach, then there's a settling in process where everyone's starting to figure out exactly what should be different, how things will change. And I think they're back into that little bit of a learning curve as, you know, the coach has been on the job a little less than four weeks. So uh, I think everyone's kind of figuring out the differences and how to best take advantage of those changes by the current coaching staff. But uh, I, I'm I'm all in regarding them uh, making the postseason. Well, to, the the trade deadline is coming up here in a couple of weeks. Here and cap friendly right yeah. now lists the Edmonton Oilers as having 
$0 in cap space <laughs> and just over 1.2 million deadline space to work with. Even if Kenny Holland wanted to make trades to improve the team, how would he get it done exactly? And and what's the biggest red flag for the Oilers that they have to address even if they do nothing else? Well, yeah, I, I guess uh, receiving money and, and trading money out. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, I, I think there's two sort of trains of thought. Uh, I believe, and, you know, we may end up talking further about Evander Kane, but he's he's kind of filled a nice role and, and had a good run since the Oilers signed him. Um, so I think that itch was scratched. I would say the two areas that people look at would be another, maybe a right shot defenseman uh, with with some uh, some history, some some resume, um, who's been around and preferably, if possible, has had uh, playoff success. Not so much individually, but with the team, and then. You know, the conversation about the goalies seems to be ongoing. Um, I, I don't know which one would be more important. I guess I guess if, if Ken Holland traded for a goalie, then he's telling me that's more important. And if Ken Holland traded for a defenseman, then he must be telling me that's more important. Because I think at this point, uh, you know, I'm not saying Kenny would, would give up everything and to get a deal done, for example, for a goalie. But if he really feels like that's something he needs, um, I can't see him being stopped in getting some form of a swap accomplished. And you could just kind of carry that over to defense. If he feels like I really need another defenseman, a right shot, a a big guy, a small guy, uh, uh, a great skater, a power play guy, or a physical presence, whatever it is, or whatever the attributes are, uh, then he'll go out and get one. So, you know, I think probably a little bit easier to find a defenseman than a goalie, but there are some goalies out there, including a three-time Stanley Cup champion in Chicago, who, from what we all are told, is it's kind of up to him what he wants to do, whether he wants to stay, whether he wants to go. So, uh, yeah, Ken Holland's been through these deadlines uh, countless times, decades worth, and has got some good work done. And I expect that if he feels like he's got more work to do, he'll also get it done. You mentioned Evander Kane. Let's go there for a second here. This is going to be a tough question, but I feel like we should talk about this at least at least for a brief moment here. Now, of course, we know the the strong allegations that are, are facing Evander Kane, but the Oilers decided that bringing him to the team would be there would be more pros to this than more cons to this. Evander Kane has 14 points in 18 games, and that's great. But how do the Oilers feel about bringing somebody like that with that kind of track record to the team? And how has that played out in the few weeks that he's been on the team? Uh, you know what? It's played out great. I mean, uh, you know, I was going to use this line on TV the other night. Maybe I'll get a chance to use it uh, uh, on Wednesday when I'm working the Oilers uh, Capitals game. But the only trouble he's caused is for the opposing team. I mean, he has not. He's been engaging, uh, friendly, uh, congenial, um, nice. I mean, he's been a nice guy from everything we've seen. You know, Andrew, it's not like the old days where you're around the room and and you're inside there and you're 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 talking to guys and seeing things. You don't see as much, hear as much, for sure, because they're you know they're trotted out of a dressing room and brought to a 
brought to a table or a banner and with a backdrop and and that's kind of your your availability so it's different but um you know having talked to a few people uh both you know in the room and around the team i have not heard a word that would suggest he's been anything but an exemplary guy and teammate who has really not only produced points wise but has tried to to kind of, as they like to say, drag his team into the fight. You know, he's been feisty and involved that way and uh, not afraid to to get involved at whatever level he feels is necessary. So, I mean, at this point, I have not seen, heard, witnessed anything that would say that, that Evander hasn't been an excellent signing for the Oilers. I mean, if nothing else, at least on the ice, he has been there for for depth scoring which has been a concern for the Oilers team their yeah. depth scoring is a concern their defense is a concern their goaltending is also a concern and the Oilers like I like we talked about have virtually no room to maneuver unless they send money out the Oilers are deadly on the power play you you mentioned that they they didn't get it done last night but overall throughout the season they've been the hottest team in the in the world in terms of their power play abilities but they're a pretty average team five-on-five five according to the underlying metrics, and they're also a poor team shorthanded. For the Oilers fans listening, Gene, this team is obviously in better shape now than a few years ago when they were drafting first overall all the time. They're, they're, they're knocking on the door right now, but how confident are you at Edmonton's ability to find a way to get into the playoffs this season overall from a team's perspective? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like they're confident. Um, I just feel like they are knocking on the door and and I think, you know, sometimes you get to that door and you don't know how to unlock it and how to get through it. Um, but I feel like the Oilers do have the key to slide into the lock, switch to the right or flip to the right or turn to the right and, and walk right through them. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's going to be the first key or the second one might be three or four or five keys in. Uh, but I, I really feel like they know what they have to do. And, uh, you know, I see this power play right now and it's not succeeding way too good not to have success. So I think that's going to turn around. Uh, the defense will get healthier. The goaltending will have, whether it's Miko Koskinen, Mike Smith or Stuart Skinner available to them or potentially someone else, if that's what Ken DeHolland decides. So, I, I think they definitely have the, the foundation, the pillars to to be a playoff team. So I, I don't think they're going to have a problem getting through that door, to be honest with you, Andrew. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying they're going to waltz in, uh, but um, I believe they'll get there. Well, Connor McDavid is 25 years old. Leon Dreisaitl is 26. He'll be 27 in October. The Oilers are once again a fringe playoff team. I mean, they're they're right on the door. I, you know, you're assuming that they're going to make it. The the assumption overall, I, to my understanding, is that they will make the playoffs in some form or another. Both of right. these guys are to also, to my understanding, going absolutely nowhere and probably will stay Oilers for their entire careers. As the years go by, though, without much playoff success, is there any level of concern within the Oilers organization that frustration from McDavid and Dreisaitl could soon start to build if their team keeps falling well short of potential Stanley Cup runs? You know, Andrew, that, that is always, that's always the, the, 
I don't want to call it a running joke because it's it's not a funny topic, but it's always the storyline uh, around Edmonton when they're struggling. And, you know, I was thinking about it today. Wouldn't Connor and Leon like to be where there's no, like they're a playoff team. When I say guaranteed, they, they work for it. They earn it uh, as a club, but they find themselves sort of pushed here. The last two seasons, um, they've actually been, um, you know, the bubble season and then the, I call it the Canadian division season. They've been really good in the regular season and have had uh, quite a bit of regular season success. So that was something I think the Oilers felt like they had, they had figured out how to, how to get to the playoffs. Then what do they do once they get there? Right now, it's, it's a little more of a challenge. And for sure, people always think, well, how much longer are those guys going to stay? Aren't they going to get tired? Aren't they frustrated? Don't they want better? Um, are they frustrated? Uh, yeah, I bet you they are. Do they want better? Yes. Are they looking to go elsewhere? I, I don't believe that. I, I really don't. I mean, I've never heard anyone say anything, uh, either from Leon or Connor or people around them, that they want out. Um, you know, but I, I get why that's the, that's the ongoing storyline from elsewhere, because it's sort of a natural thing to think if you're in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Toronto, Cal- wherever, whatever, if you're a hockey fan anywhere in the world for that matter, uh, two really talented guys, Hart, Art Ross Trophy winners, uh, especially if they don't make the playoffs. Well, they must be tired of this. Well, they are tired of it, but being tired of it and quitting and deciding that you want to go somewhere else are way different things. You know, um, it's, it's a relationship that they've built between themselves and they get along very, very well. And a relationship they built with the team and the fans and the city that they want to see succeed. I mean, uh, these two guys are, I mean, I, I, I want to say one day they'll be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. If they stay healthy, I, I think they're going to put up the numbers uh, to back that up. They, they don't want to be attached to a team in the sense that, oh, they, they gave up or they left or they'd had enough. Even though I'm not saying that would be unwarranted. You spend eight or ten years somewhere and you feel like it's not going where you wanted to. Sure, I, I could see you kind of going, all right, well, maybe, maybe I do want to change. But I, I don't think that's the case. You know, like that, that saying, you know, I want to be part of the, the solution, not a part of the problem. And I really feel like Connor and Leon feel that way. And, and I have not, until I hear it or see it myself, I, I, maybe it's blinders on, but I won't believe that they feel like that, that they want to go somewhere else. You just did two things, Gene. One, you just you just calmed the Edmonton Oilers fan base down, at least <laughs> at least a little bit, I think. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot of panic around Edmonton that yeah. that those two are getting moved. But hearing somebody like you say, you know, everybody everybody calm down, I feel that helps the situation maybe a little bit. And two, there's you mentioned Toronto. There's going to be maybe, maybe thirty tweets underneath when I post a podcast saying how does this impact the Leafs. So you know what you did? Oh you, my God, you, yeah. did you did two things there, Gene. But I want to circle back. You mentioned Mark Andre Fleury as one of the names here that the Edmonton Oilers could be targeting come deadline day. Mark Andre Fleury. Right now, the, his cap hit is $7 million. And according yeah. also to cap friendly, like, like, like I mentioned earlier, right now the Oilers have zero space at all, and they have 1.2 deadline space to work with if nothing else happens, right? So 
if Mark Andre Fleury doesn't become an Oiler, if there's just not enough money to be moved out, if that trade doesn't work out, the 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 three headed dragon that the Oilers have right now in goal is Stuart Skinner, Miko Koskinen, and Mike Smith. How likely is it that these three will remain the Oilers goalies moving forward? And how confident are the Oilers in these three goalies' ability to perhaps steal a playoff game if need be? Yeah, I, I think it's there. You know, it's been a weird season because Mike Smith, unfortunately, has been out much of the year. Uh, so that, that changed things in the, I wouldn't say 50-50 split, but I think they were they were believing it would be more like a 60-40 type split. Um, but then Miko had to play so much, and Stuart Skinner came up and looked pretty good, and then Mike Smith got healthy, and then he got hurt, and now he's back um, and, and playing. So uh, I, I think they're comp. I mean, I guess if he trades for a goalie, then that tells you that, he, he being Kenny Holland feels like, okay, I, I want to try and upgrade or give myself another option in this position. I, I think they're good goaltenders. I mean, you know, Mike Smith has gone a long way in his career previously. And Nico Koskinen has not really, you know, he didn't play last year in the playoffs. You know, even, the Oilers, even though the orders were swept, I mean, triple overtime, one game, overtime, another game virtually one goal games all the way through except for one and I think there were one or two empty netters in that one so um I, I think they have the goalies to to get something accomplished but you know I don't I don't know what that will look like I mean I I think they're at the point where they have to split things up to some extent because of games uh being so close but I, I don't know if anyone could be number one right now. Like uh, I would say as of right now, you and I talking, it's, it's Miko Koskinen right, right now. We talk in a week, it could be Mike Smith. We talk a week later, it could be Stuart Skinner. I, they're in the business right now of just winning. And I don't think they're too concerned on who's doing it or how they're doing it. Uh, just that when they do it, uh, they do it well. So if they can get, you know, it's not like one guy, who's leading the charge. He's your guy. And what are they? He's your ride or die, right? Now, I don't think that's the case in Edmonton. I think they have the three options. And if necessary, they're willing to use them. Talk to me about Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, because this is a player that was drafted, as we, know, as we all know, drafted very highly in the first round, did not meet expectations early on, and then was, played in Finland for a season and a half, then came back, put up, Good numbers last last season, and now has a career high with 28 points this season, and is projected to score even high. Is you know more than more than now. Tell me about how he went from struggling to not even playing the NHL to coming back and showing the NHL and to himself, for that matter, that he not only belongs here but he is a staple in in the Edmonton Oilers offense because as as I'm sure you know the rumors when he was struggling and when he was playing in Finland was that some other team could could buy low on him could see yeah. him as a as a as a reclamation project but now he's back in Edmonton and he is doing very well for himself so take me through that timeline and how he sees himself and how the Oilers see him see him right now yeah, I think the Oilers see him as a top six forward, as a power play specialist out front. Uh, Dave Tippett, the former coach, and uh, Ken Holland uh, did a real nice job of, uh, I, I think, gaining 
the trust of, of Yessi and his people. And I don't underestimate uh, how much he wanted to come back because he could, he could trust the Oilers with his life, but if he didn't want to be back here, uh, then he, he wouldn't be back here. And I think uh, previously, for sure, there was some thought that, you know, fourth overall pick in 2016, uh, man, we don't want to just sort of lose this guy or give this guy away because he's not coming back here, uh, but yet still is interested in playing in the National Hockey League. So uh, building relationships, I think the Oilers did a fantastic job of doing that. And he's, you know... Uh, Craig McTavish, who I work with on Sportsnet and who was a longtime coach and, and GM and a four-time cup champion who always would say, sometimes a guy looks like a 40-goal scorer and sometimes he looks like he's never going to score again. And that's when you end up with a 20-25 to goal scorer. I think, yes, he's, I, I wouldn't say his ceiling, but I, I, I think on this team, a healthy Yesapuri would be around a 30-goal scorer. Somewhere in that vicinity, to me, would be about the right fit for him. I'm not sure if he's 40, 50. I definitely don't think he's under 20. So 25 to 30 uh, would be an area where I think that he would find his comfort and would be uh, achieving his own and team and, I guess, uh, fan expectations. It's been strange because he's he's been out for a while, so obviously that hurts his total. So we'll wait to see where he ends up. But I think he came back with a fresh attitude, uh, a better handle on the English language, and just the commitment that, uh, you know, you, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but you can only go back to your ex-girlfriend so many times. And I think he kind of decided, hey, listen, I'm not going to go back to Finland anymore. I want to play in the best league in the NHL, or at least prove that either I can or can't. And then if I can't, then I'll go play somewhere else. But I think he wanted to do that, and he has done that, and it's a credit to both him uh, and the Oilers, and he's somebody that the Oilers are are definitely missing, both five-on-five and with the man advantage. One more here before I let you go, Gene. Again, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Brendan Perlini was waived a few days ago by the Oilers, and Vicky Perlini, his mom, found out about it on Twitter. And I, I just wanted to ask, I mean... How does that happen, right? Like, as as somebody that wasn't an NHL player, isn't an NHL player, I am a UFA though. So if anybody needs a beer leaguer, I'm available. Yeah. But I've I've never been an NHL player. So tell me how that kind of thing happens because it, it from that tweet it sounded like Brendan didn't really know either. So how does that happen? Yeah, I mean that was uh, it was a strange combination of factors um on that somewhere there was a breakdown in communication uh, you know this might happen oh once every uh 10 years i i'm not sure you know how often it happens but we all know it doesn't happen very often uh vicky you know god love her she's uh she's a mom and always protective of her uh, boy no matter how old he is or how long he's played in the NHL or what round he was drafted in, which was the first round. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get that. And we all have a, we all have an opportunity to, to do it publicly through social media. And my guess is Andrew that, you know, maybe, it, you know, it's happened in the past, but there hasn't been a, a social media alert 
uh, to let everybody know. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, listen, it wasn't something that anybody liked uh, from the coaching staff to the management staff to the players on the Oilers. Uh, Brendan is a really nice young gentleman with lots of positivity in his world because he's, he's had some things not go so well for him, uh, particularly on the ice from being a first round pick to having to go play in Switzerland, which isn't the worst place in the world to play. But when you are as highly drafted as he is and still a young guy, relatively young guy, uh, you expect and plan to play in the national hockey league. So yeah, it was, it was unfortunate uh, that it, that it happened, but it happened. And I would suggest that it won't happen again, that wherever um, things were, wherever there was a break in doing or in communications in resolving that issue the way it's resolved 999 times out of a thousand the others will make sure that that one is resolved again uh next time a player has to you know get sent to the minors or put on waivers hopefully uh if somebody needs an e-bug uh, I won't find out okay. about it on Twitter. Somebody will call me or text me or let me know. Hopefully. <laughs> Gene, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd be great. I mean, listen, I, I would love a jersey. That You know what? Don't even don't uh-huh. even give me anything. I just want a jersey. You know? How about that? You're Gene, good with that. <laughs> Gene, you're outstanding. I love having you on. I look forward to having you back on much sooner than 14 months from now. I promise I give you my word. I will reach out. Peel back the curtains a little bit. I mean, this this is my day off, right? I, I uh, My schedule is flexible you just left practice you know so you yeah. you, you uh you you already don't have time as is so you <laughs> giving me a little bit of your time after oilers practice to come talk to me about the oilers and then there's another game that you have to go cover you know like you have you have no time on your hands so to be able to carve out a few minutes for me is very much appreciated gene thank you so much and no problem anytime andrew take care pal you are gene principe on twitter if you're not following gene what are you doing? What you doing? Because Gene is a must-follow. At Chell Squared and at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew on Twitter, at Chell Squared on Facebook. Give the show the five-star review. It is very, very important. The more reviews, the more likely the show is to get recommended by that algorithm, which is never predictable, ever. So any help at all is very much appreciated. I'm your host, Andrew Chelney. Thanks for listening. Chell Squared is back next Tuesday. I'll talk to you then.